Bible, go with me to the book of Hosea. We have um, gone along in a journey, kind of one book, one week, and so um, I wanted to uh, do the Minor Prophets uh, over the next couple of weeks and uh, leading up to um, Christmas and uh, into the New Year, so we'll see how the Lord works that all out. Uh, Twelve Prophets is, if you think about the Minor Prophets, you can kind of look at them as watchmen or messengers or servants of the Lord. Uh, it's interesting as I, looking through or thinking through the minor prophets, um, you know, you can go through and kind of find a phrase uh, to define each one or a sentence or two to define each one. Uh, what's interesting is it's kind of good for us to put it in the right time frame. I want you to, to know as you go through uh, the prophets, we're going to talk about Hosea today, uh, a lot of that where you're reading in your Bible actually goes back to the time frame of 2 Kings. So a lot of times when you look at the book of Hosea, you're not thinking that Solomon's gone, you're not thinking that the kingdom has divided, and you're not thinking about basically people living however they want to live. It's kind of like watching a two-year-old, and when they get in their little mindset, what they're going to do, they're going to do it. They've got a chip on their shoulder, they don't really care what anybody else thinks, they're going to do what they want to do. And so now as you come to this minor prophet, you're going to come to the book of Hosea, and basically that's what's going on in society. You've got an individual who's called by God to speak a message that's going to endure difficulties. You've got an individual by the name of Hosea, whose name means, which, uh, his name means salvation, but he's talking to a wicked group of people. He's talking to the, to the nation of Israel who basically have broken every law that they know is true. They basically said, God, we're not interested in any of your things as far as truth anymore or following them. They were interested in worshiping idols. They were going to a point where they said, you know what, God, if you say do this, we're going to do something totally opposite. And it wasn't just something that was kind of like a quiet rebellion. You know, there's, there's times in our lives where, you know, we can kind of be quiet and we can kind of hide things. But God is going to use the nation of or Hosea, this prophet, to, to leave a message of God's loyal love to the people. No matter what they did, God was still going to love them. And so at this point, as you find them in history, they're worshiping idols. There's a spiritual and moral corruption this is how bad it had gotten. They started to worship uh, Baal, and Baal was a representation of, of God of fertility. And so they decided that it was no longer, you know, being faithful to a spouse. So in their, their worship style or their worship concept or their worship thought, instead of staying faithful to their spouse, they were going to the temples and worshiping in sexual immorality as a sacrifice to their God. We're saying, Baal, we love you so much that we don't care about the spouse that you've given us. We're going to go to the temple and call that sacrifice. And what's interesting is, is you will see a demonstration by the nation of Israel of rebellion outwardly. They're saying to God, God, we don't need your Ten Commandments. We don't need your laws. We don't need you to be all-powerful. We forgot about you taking us out of Egypt. We forgot about crossing the Red Sea. 
We forgot about the song that we sang to you. God, we don't want you anymore. In a time frame when the society of the day was in embracing immorality, the things were going okay as far as Israel, politically and financially, but inside of Israel, they were empty. Inside of the individuals that would call themselves Israelites, they wanted nothing to do with God. They wanted everything to do with themselves. And so this morning as you have this opportunity to look at the book of Hosea, you need to remind yourself that this prophet is not going to be welcomed with open arms. That God has now set this thing up for this individual to walk in and be a messenger for God. God, really? You want me to go in and say this? God, these people are totally unfaithful. God, these people are living in rebellion. I don't want to do this. So if you have your Bible, go to Hosea chapter 1. I want you to meet Hosea's family. I want you to see uh, them as we get started. In chapter 1 and verse 2, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go take yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, and she conceived and gave him a son. You have a prophet, and you can go a lot of different ways. I won't take a bullet one way or the other. My thought process at this point is that Hosea has fallen in love with a woman. He doesn't know at this point that his wife is going to be involved in adultery. But other people say that he knew up front. I don't, I mean, that's not a huge deal to me. What is the deal is, is you're going to get a chance to watch a prophet be faithful to his spouse. Either if he knew beforehand or if he was this young Jewish boy walking around and say, well, this girl's beautiful. Her name is Gomer. I want to marry her. So he chooses this woman. God gives them a child. God gives them a son. The son's name is, if you go down in, in, um, uh, in verse 4, then the Lord said to Hosea, Call Jezreel, because I will punish, soon punish the house of Judah for the massacre of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of God in the day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. So his son's name means God will scatter. That's what his name means. So as he pronounces the name of his son to a society that's living in sin, to a society that's totally rejected God, he's saying to these people, he didn't have to say it out loud, but he said it to these people, you will be scattered. You will suffer the consequences of your choices saying, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. God, I'm not interested in your truth. God, I'm interested in me. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it seems like when I tell God I don't need this, then something's always around the corner, something like a two-by-four, and it usually hurts. And it's going to cost me something. Because He loves me. Now I realize that most of you, if you were my age or younger, you grew up in a home that spanking was something that you did that you enjoyed as a, as a kid. And you always listen to your parents say, this hurts me way worse than it hurts you. I don't know about all that. Anyway, I learned 
early on that if dad said this and I did this, usually his eyebrows went down and I suffered the consequences of my choices. So growing up, I always learned that punishment was not a good deal. I always lost in the end. And so when I became a Christian, I started following God. I didn't like the whole concept of punishment. But now I've learned that he loves me. That he comes alongside of me and says, hey, maybe you need to go in this direction. Maybe I have bought into a lie of the world. And so he sends things my way to get my attention. Hey, wake up here, young man. This is going to cost you. So as the nation of Israel, as this prophet is standing there, he's telling these people, this is going to cost you. You might go down and sacrifice to Baal, but it will cost you. It's interesting if you track it through history, as you think about this where, where Hosea says this is going to take place, this valley of Jezreel is the same valley, most likely, that Gideon won his victory. Saul's death was taking place. It's the same valley. If you go on, God gives um, Hosea and Gomer a daughter. Verse 6, Gomer conceived again. She gave birth to a daughter. The Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Rumah. Interesting word, right? It means judgment will come on Israel. God didn't give him the privilege to call her beautiful or amazing or wonderful or victorious. He gave her the name You will suffer judgment. It will cost you, Israel, in the choices that you made. If you read on a little bit farther, dropping down uh, to verse 9, then the Lord said, uh, uh, verse 8, and after she she had weaned, lo, Ruma, Gomer had a son. The the Lord said, call him lo, Ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. So if you start out in a relationship called a marriage, you get married, and you have to call your children's names, names of, um, not really destruction, but names of judgment against your people, it's probably not a good deal. And so this morning, as you go through the Word of God, as you think about the book of Hosea, yes, I want to, you will see um, that God will love His people, and God will demonstrate his love for his people and I think a lot of us growing up in a church in America we love to hear about God's love and it will be demonstrated very vividly in this situation you all want to know that God loves you but on the same side of that coin as you see this wonderful picture of this man who is faithful and he will go after his wife there still will be consequences And so this morning as I think back through the nation of Israel, whenever they followed God and lived a life in obedience, guess what? There were no consequences. But every time when they said to God, God, thank you for your words, thank you for your Ten Commandments, but I'm not interested, guess what happened? Consequences. Consequences not like our parents calling consequences, just just, just. Because at times they got aggravated at us and they just punished us. Consequences, so Israel would say, hold on a second. 
Maybe I'm following the wrong God. Maybe my life needs to be redirected. And so this morning, as you look at the book of Hosea, I want you to see something in in this book. If you go over to chapter 3, I want you to see a rescue. I want you to see a prophet who's been called by God to, to give a message to a church, to a group of people, to the nation of Israel. Hosea is his name. He's going to have to walk in difficult roads where he could stop and say, God, I don't feel like I want to do this. He's talking to a group of people. James Vernon McGee puts it this way. You can play fast and loose with God and you're nothing in the world but a harlot, a spiritual harlot in his sight. And so now God has given Hosea this opportunity. And he's given Hosea some words in chapter 3 and verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and she is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred Raisin cake. Because they went in this direction. And it's interesting to me that God says to Hosea, go and talk about your love. Is that what your Bible says? Is that what your Bible says? No. Hosea, you go and you demonstrate your love. You go to where she is. Whatever lie that she bought into... Whatever the sin that it was for her to say, you know what? I no longer want to be here in this relationship. I want to go here. Whatever that is. Whatever she went there for. I want you to go down there and I want you to demonstrate your love for her. And he even had to pay to get his wife back. And so he does. He steps into the world of sin that she's caught in and he says, I will pay for you. I want you to come back as my wife. I want you to come home. Now, a lot of things have run through my mind as I thought through this scenario. If I was Hosea, I would have said, you know, Lord, this really isn't fair. And so I'm done as a prophet. Isn't that normally what we do in church when life gets hard? Oh, well, God, I don't need you anymore. You didn't do what I wanted you to do, so God, you stay over there. And really, God was sending things into our lives for us to stop and get our attention back on where it really needed to be. As I think about this concept of rescuing your unfaithful wife, some words have flooded my soul. And these are the words. Hosea, I want you to love your wife. Hosea, I want you to go down there wherever she is. And I want you to rescue her. I thought about forgiveness. Hosea's going to have to forgive his wife. I thought about mercy. He's going to have to give her something that she doesn't deserve. And I, the last word, and I don't have it on my screen, is, is reconciliation. And so now can you imagine the prophet 
after he goes through, and I don't know when all this takes place, okay? I don't, I don't understand all the time frame. I'm not afraid to admit that. But what I, understand, what I see now is, can you imagine this individual's love for Israel after all that he's been through? Can you imagine his passion to share the message, to be the watchman, say, hey, don't go there. Don't follow the idols. I've been that. Look, it's affected my family. Please don't go there. Can you imagine what it was like, was it 25 years or 35 years later, after reconciliation took place in their relationship where they liked each other again? What was that like? I don't know. But it's an incredible picture. And most of us, sitting in a church in Highlands County, we think that we're Hosea. But I think most of us are really going. I think you and I need to stop and remember when we were caught in our sin. Because I think if we would actually remember what He called us out of, what He rescued us from, our love for Him would grow tenfold. Because at times we love Him because He's this amazing God and He holds the sun there and the sky's there and the mountains are over there and the ocean stays where it's supposed to stay. And we get excited about that. But really if you could love Him for what He rescued you from, your life would never be the same. But often we sit in a building called church and we take the high road. Oh, we were never like that. Yes, you were. You all were like that. And so was I. We all have been rescued from sin. We've all been held captive by something. And for the rest of our lives, if we're not careful, we're going to be right captured again. Because there's a longing in our hearts to do the wrong thing. Admit it to yourself. There's all of us. There's that rebel side in every single one of us. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be one and you want your way. You can be 75 and you want your way. It doesn't go away. And so this morning as you've gathered around this, this picture of the book of Hosea, as you gather around this rescue message, I want to remind you of one thing this morning. That the rescue only comes through Jesus Christ. Just as Hosea went and brought the harlot, bought the harlot, that is the way God redeemed me. Until you and I see, see that, we can know nothing about real commitment to God. Until you remember where you came from, until you remind yourself that you've been rescued from hell from your own desires. You can't truly love them. And your commitment will change. God came to you when no one else wanted you. God was willing to send His Son to rescue you and I. And so this morning as we've gathered as a family, 
and you think about Bible Fellowship Church, you think about an Old Testament passage of Scripture, you think about the book of Hosea. Yeah, it's a book, and there's a lot, of, there's a lot more in this than what I can actually talk about in 35, 40 minutes this morning. You can spend weeks, hours, and months just in this book. But what I want you to be reminded of this morning is as you see a picture of demonstration of God's love through a prophet. His name was Hosea. It wasn't just for those who go to Bible school. It's not just for the pastor. It's for you. As I sat with Rachel the other day at graduation, I was remembering my time back at Word of Life. Now that's been 25 plus years now since Susan and I were there. And I don't know of how many of our classmates are still following Jesus. I don't know. But what I've learned is, it's really easy for me to think about the Bible and somebody else. Oh, this book is good for Seth. This book is good for Rachel. This book is good for Ryan. Or one of Rachel's friends is a guy by the name of Twinkie. This book's good for Twinkie. This book is great for me. You see, it has to start with you and the book first before it can go anywhere else. See, Hosea is not for Bible Fellowship Church. It's for me first. It's to remind me again of how much my father loves me. It reminds me again of what love really looks like. It reminds me again that I do need mercy and I do need forgiveness and I do need grace And those things only come through that cross. As I was reading um, this morning before church, and I was just looking at um, a thing that Spurgeon wrote. It's called Morning and Evening. This is one of the things I read in the morning. He was talking about Jesus and dealing with leprosy in in the Jewish culture and how he touched lepers, went totally against Jewish culture. But then he said this. Even so, Jesus Christ was made sin for us. Although in himself, he knew no sin. But that we might be made in the righteousness of God, he took sin. Oh, that poor sinners would go to Jesus, believing in the power of his blessed substitutionary work. And they would soon learn of the power of his gracious touch. The hand that multiplied the loaves, which saved the sinking saints, which upholds the afflicted saints, which crowns believers, that same hand will touch every seeking sinner. And in a moment, make him clean. The love of Jesus is the source of salvation. He loves, he looks. He touches. We live. So I'm just asking, thinking about you today. Have you looked to him? Are you reaching towards him? Are you running to him? Oh, I, I know we're in church. Let's just be honest. Out of the book of Hosea, 
I see that your father might send you down some tough roads so you can reach out to another. And a great example of that right now are three of my heroes. Tommy and Bonnie Crutchfield. They've been down a lot. But now they're dealing with Bonnie's hip. You know what's amazing with me? Well, I mean, these, these guys aren't perfect, okay? But they're still keeping on, keeping on. Gary Steiner. Most of you don't have no idea who Gary Steiner is. And I think he does it that way on purpose. See, before it was popular, back when he was younger, he found people of a different race that couldn't walk, that couldn't swim, and that couldn't ride a bike. And you know what Gary did? He did an Ironman with them. He swam. He rode. And he biked. And he discipled. You know what's fascinating? Some of my greatest encouragements have come from Gary Steiner. He doesn't know me. Really. And a guy that could say, you know what, God, it isn't fair. You know what he's chosen to do? God, would you help me be a caregiver to my wife? Whatever that looks like. Ike Richards. Most of you don't know the, tr- the whole story of Ike Richards. But around Christmas time, the doctor told him he had about six months to live, maybe. He's still alive. He's in Indiana right now, mowing grass. How much time does Ike have? I don't know. The guy that could have thrown up the towel and walked away and said, God, I've done all, served you all these years. He hasn't done that. Comes every morning early. He's the chairman of the elder board. And he'll say this just pretty much every Sunday. Give him the word. And gentlemen, let's go hug and love somebody. He says that just almost every Sunday. And most likely when he comes back from Indiana, he'll have to go back to Moffitt. And most likely he'll have cancer, chemo treatments for the rest of the, however long he has on this earth. But he wants you to know Jesus. And he takes what he's learning in Sunday school over to Moffitt Cancer Center. And they have a team of doctors that work with him. And they're just going through this marriage thing. He's asking the doctors what he, they think about how you do marriage. When he's crawling on the table, he's saying to these people, what do you think about this? You know, this, this concept is kind of old-fashioned. I, don't, I think you should just... No, no, that's not how it works today. I, he's talking to him about Jesus. As I close, I say to you, the book of Hosea is for you is to remind you that God loves you. But in saying that, please be very careful not to always play the Hosea part. Because you were a gomer. It's to remind you that he does love you. Just because he loves you doesn't mean that he won't spank you. And as I close, I was listening to one of my favorite people 
His name's Paul Tripp. And he was talking to a, to a group of people. I don't know where it was, but just something I was listening to. And he says this is what he does every morning when he wakes up. Three prayers. First one, Jesus, I'm desperate and I need you. Jesus, would you be gracious to send me some help today? And Jesus, would you help me be humble enough to receive the help you sent? Are you desperate? Are you asking for help? Will you receive his help? The choice is up to you. But I know one thing. My father can move the mountains. So I pray that you know him too. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the book of Hosea. Even though we've had just a brief time in it this morning. I can't wait to spend eternity with you, Father, and, and meet these individuals that you empowered to do things that don't make any sense or beyond comprehension. But thank you, Hosea, for what you've done for us. Demonstrate God's love for us. Thank you, Father, that you're willing to rescue all of us, not just Gomer, but all of us from our sin that we've been caught in. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross so I could be free, so I could have hope, so I could have peace. So I could have comfort. So I could have joy. It's all because of you, Jesus. I don't know what's going on in your life and your world. I don't know how big the mountains are. I don't know what sin you're caught in. But his name's Jesus. And he's waiting to hear your voice. And really, it comes in. Help me. What he's waiting to hear you say. So Father, as you look down on our family, may we be a family that asks for help. That we would be a family that sees our desperation without you. And Father, that we would be a family when we see your help, that we would humble ourselves and receive it. We're here this morning. You'd like for one of us to pray with you. We have the What's Next ministry. It's out the back of the sanctuary, second door on the left. Be down front. Father, again, use a shoebox to reach a kid. Use a shoebox to reach a kid to reach a family. Use a shoebox to reach a kid to reach a dad reach a mom. Thank you for that ministry. Thank you for that idea. Father, help us to do our part. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. May it be the priority of our lives. May it be the rock that holds us in the wavy storm. Sebring Florida. In your name I pray. Amen.